0: hi i'm rebecca roberts hi i'm harriet small welcome to have you got five minutes pr comms and marketing podcast answering the things you'd normally have asked someone really quickly about at an event or while making a brew in the office hi rebecca hi harriet how are you i um have a bugbear who speak about acronyms and jargon and so I worked somewhere I'm not going to say where so when you've made it in that organization they acronym your name and I didn't realize this so I was sitting in a meeting and they're just talking about people and acronym all their names and I'm sitting there thinking is this a piece of software Is this like a terminology that's like really specific? What does this mean? Eventually I started putting two and two together. And then I was like, why do the acronym the names? It just baffled me. I think
1: every workplace and sector has its own jargon of some sort. When you're in comms, that's like your big challenge to not only talk about what you do in a clear way particularly externally but also recognize what that jargon is because it can become like indoctrinated into how you talk and i think i'd even draw that down to like specific teams as well when you're presenting something you often do it from like your perspective and like this is what our team thinks and we could use marketing or comms or pr Language that doesn't necessarily engage, and I think it's really important that you think about that audience first. So, there is a bit to do sometimes when someone joins to kind of help explain them, particularly if they're moving sectors. I do think you should not use acronyms, particularly, but then naturally they're going to happen when you're talking about different departments.
0: Yeah, it is a challenge, and it's hard to find like definitions that break it down, and it's also just Thinking about why do people speak the way they do? And I remember putting a tweet out saying, I don't think I could ever be a CMO or director because I can't do the fluff around around just saying something really simply. Articulating things can be quite hard. You know when the people are writing things and they're saying, rather than saying the motivation for this was, they'll say the key drivers are... And I'm just like, why are we saying key drivers? What does what does that mean to the layperson on the street? That means nothing. I think it
1: can make it inaccessible when you're looking at external audiences. The other example I wanted to bring up was like in academia, because there's some really great um, books um, that I've read by Stephen Pinker. I guess as a professor or an academic, you tend to write papers that demonstrate your depth of knowledge, and then it can feel challenging therefore when you're trying to write for a broader audience or like the media or do an interview to make it really accessible but actually when you look at sort of Stephen Pinker's work he talks about the importance of being really clear and actually clear communications is actually harder and being able to delete everything else is really important and get to the essence of your message so I think it's that balance like you say sometimes everything can be thrown in to demonstrate how clever you are but actually really good writing, you shouldn't need to interpret it or look at a a dictionary to understand all the acronyms.
0: Yeah, and I think also around the use of BAME. And in America, they use BIPOC, and then other people use BME. Why are we using all these acronyms? And, And I think sometimes it can be used in a way where you're trying to give people belonging or jargon to give people belonging to make them feel as part of a group or as one. But then at the same time is is when you're using some of this jargon and these acronyms, you're also stripping out people's identities.
1: Yeah, and it can be seen as other and I think for people wanting to use the right terminology it can be intimidating because I get why BIPOC is really relevant in America and I saw a debate on Twitter about well what's indigenous for the UK like what would that be and there was like quite some funny threads on that what's the right way to sort of talk about groups of people and actually should we be talking in that way it is a difficult one I think language is really important to understand and also agree on as a organization about like say so for example sky had that briefing document didn't they for all their pundits about language as an organization why wouldn't you regularly have that type of thing to educate and upskill your leaders but all your staff and just say hey this is this is important this is what these words mean this is what how we talk about sex race everything i think it'd be kind of an interesting approach to have
0: that yeah. And also, how do you speak to different groups of people? Because like the work I do is, is public sector. And sometimes we're speaking to the most vulnerable people in, in communities or in society. And sometimes you have people who are highly educated, writing policy or making decisions, and yet the, the person at the end who's receiving it, actually doesn't understand a lot of the terminology in there so what does this a bit actually mean what does that mean for me and I I think a lot of that jargon a lot of that language has been used for a long time in in industries like banking and it's and it's isolated people quite a fair bit so for our five minutes
1: this week we're going to talk about every stakeholder wants a logo a leaflet a Commons plan campaign video, whatever it is, it's quite difficult, isn't it, when you're in a, particularly in-house team, when you're trying to manage sort of competing, I guess you feel like you're playing God with a budget and with a comms resource um, over who gets what. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I tweeted about this, but I'll put a disclaimer. When I tweeted and said every stakeholder wants a comms plan until it's their time to execute the part of the plan, I wasn't talking about my own stakeholder, I just have to clarify that. But I think stakeholders do sometimes want comms plans when they haven't got fully formed ideas and also sometimes they want a comms plan when all it is that they need is maybe one piece of content whether a tweet or an internal comms message or it is just a press release it it doesn't need an entire plan but also I, I struggle with the definitions of things so like for example someone can come to you and say I want a logo." Well, do you want a logo or do you want a new brand? Or do you want a strap line? And the logo is not just a logo. There's more to it. There's thinking about the colours. There's thinking about what message you're trying to communicate with the logo. How does it fit in with the existing brand? You know, is it because it's a partnership thing? You know, there's so many other questions you need to ask. And I guess sometimes it comes back to the questions that we ask the stakeholders or the client in whatever circumstance. The better the question then the better the answer you're going to get for the reason why they want whatever they want.
1: Yeah, and I've talked about managing it before, but there is that managing across is really important. You know, often it's like the last minute requests are, are really challenging. It doesn't mean that your team will have capacity. Sometimes that point around, you know, not wanting to action it until they realise it's it's having that clear communication over what is involved. Comms in particular, I think more than any of the aspects is something that a lot of teams actually will deliver in part themselves. They will email and engage with their audiences. It's not the comms team you know doing the presentation and delivering it but often it's like well it's a comms thing can you sort it so I think that two-way discussion is important and I've done things like open house sessions or like workshops just to talk about team capacity and what the team can help with and I think the earlier you can kind of get in in those strategic conversations and planning discussions the better.
0: I also do think that sometimes we have to understand when things are coming from a place of suggesting ideas versus vanity. I've had stakeholders come to me before and say, can everyone go and like my LinkedIn post to boost the employer brand? And you're sort of like, that's a vanity metric. That's that's not something that's working towards the comm strategy that we're working towards. Like if we're going to do LinkedIn, we have to do it properly. We can't just all go and like your one post. Um, that's about you winning an award. Or they'll come to you and say, I want to be in the ft well why do you want to be in the ft which section of the ft do you want to be in what is it about the piece of work that you're doing that you need to be in that part of the the, the paper or that specific paper i don't know whether you've ever had this i i thankfully have never had this one but when they come to you say could you get us someone from the royal family i've had someone ask for zoella
1: before i also had an academic once ask me to speak to uh, jennifer lawrence and i went what and he went i just i want to speak to jennifer lawrence please and i'm like yeah just, i'll just stem um, text her um it's because the research link to something she talked about once and very bizarre um and funnily enough i said, i managed to find her agent and the the, the charity she was doing some work with so I managed to email the right people for them and um, there's an example I'm going to put in the show notes from Yorkshire Fire and Rescue Commons 2.0 shared this so I'm piggybacking on them but there's a blog and it was um, a report on all their sort of work over the year and it was an example kind of I guess of an in-house piece of content that sort of demonstrated their work links to overall strategy it's not just like we've put it on Twitter for you and we've done this. And I think when you can remove that transactional conversation you have with different departments, it can really help not to make them think, oh no, we need this big strategy. But I think it's just that self-reflection of how their work fits. Equally, I've had... People sit on the shoulders of designers, literally going, Can we change that? Oh no, I like that color. And it's like, if you want this doing, like we have to have that proper process almost like you would with an agency because otherwise you just can waste hours and
0: hours. I think also when you're an agency or you're managing an agency, I think you've also got to have really clear briefs. And obviously, the times that we're living in right now, we have to be much smarter with money, we have to be much smarter with budgets. So when is it something that you need to go to an agency or a freelancer for? I do think there is an aspect of managing expectations and really going back to what those aims and objectives are. Having those difficult conversations about return on investment, and they are difficult conversations. And I think you, you get better at them with time and experience.
1: Thanks for joining us and everything we've mentioned today will be in the show notes.
0: We're here to answer the questions you need answers to and talk about the PR, communications and marketing topics you care about because we've got five minutes.
1: You can DM us or contact Harriet at commsobracoffee.com and Rebecca at threadandfable.com.
0: If you're enjoying the podcast, please do rate, review and subscribe so others can find us.
1: Find us on Twitter at Rebecca7Roberts and at HarrietSmallies.